of Jesus and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow at Zarephath and Sidon. And there were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard all this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. And they got up and drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. That's the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Sentence completion activity. The weather forecast for this week is... Awesome! Right. I don't know what any of the rest of you said, but it is awesome. And I'm going to tell you why it's awesome. Because it's just going to be a beneficial week all around. Because winters have been getting milder and milder, you know what's been happening. When we get to, to the coldest weather in recent winters, it hasn't been cold enough to freeze off the larvae of all those stink bugs and the ladybugs and the box elder beetles and the mosquitoes and all that stuff. It's going to be 22 degrees below zero this week. And so sometime on Tuesday night, you can just think, sit there and you can have this little RIP moment uh, and you can just be thinking of all of those little stink bugs that are going to stink bug heaven because their little larvae are being frozen to smithereens out there. And next summer is going to be better because of it. It's going to be so beneficial, people. And then the sequence of things is even better. Tonight we're going to get like a foot of snow, right? And, and the other thing that's been happening is not only have been the, the, the bugs have been creeping north, but people who like the garden have found that perennials that used to only survive in like central Illinois, they now survive in southern Wisconsin until you get to a winter where it's 22 degrees below zero. But we're going to get a foot of snow tonight, so there'll be like 18 inches out there. It'll be this great insulation blanket, and as a result, all of those tender roots are going to survive, but somehow at the same time, all the bugs are going to be getting killed off. So let's review again. Sentence completion. The weather forecast for this week is awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Almost all of you said it. Last night on Saturday night, nobody cooperated. They were still all just saying, it stinks. It's terrible. Thanks for being with me. I appreciate it. It's all about expectations, right? If you think it's going to be something you can handle and it's okay, you're, that's going to kind of be how it is. And if you think you can't handle it and it's going to be terrible, that's maybe how it's going to be as well. Whoa, that gets us to today's gospel lesson, which is about a lot of expectations, particularly those of the people of Nazareth. I have to breathe for just a second. <sighs> Came in a little fast there. Okay, so to make sure we're all at the, the same place with the little story, let's review what's going on in today's gospel lesson. So the, all this year, our gospels come primarily from Luke. And so far, starting in Advent, everything's been the prelude material. So all of those wonderful birth narrative stories and the Christmas story and the story of Jesus being 12 in the temple, and then his baptism, and then sometime in Lent, we will actually get the story that comes right before today's story, which is Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. 
But all that stuff is prelude to the start of his public ministry, which is today's gospel lesson, where apparently he starts in Capernaum, which would have been on the Sea of Galilee, kind of the regional largest city. That's where he calls the 12 disciples. That's probably where he does the Sermon on the Mount. It's where he apparently does some early uh, miraculous healings. And word about him spreads like wildfire, and everyone speaks well of him. And his reputation precedes him all the way to his hometown of Nazareth, and he decides at some point to go back home. Probably most of us here have had some point, especially as you get a little bit older, where you go back home, whatever that might be. In other words, you go back to some place that was important to you or familiar to you or the people were a big part of your life, and maybe you just go back for a little R&R, you go back because you're in retreat from something, you go back because you've succeeded in something, and and you kind of want to share that a little bit. And those are all good reasons to go back home. But we don't know why he actually does it. Maybe he actually goes back home for a wedding. Maybe he goes back home for a funeral. It doesn't say, but he goes back home to Nazareth and apparently spends a little time there, and then finally the Sabbath comes, and he goes to the synagogue, as was his custom, and when he gets there, the leader of the synagogue uh, kind of steps to the side and says, well, like, woo, we've got this celebrity here with us. I'm not going to talk today. I'm going to give him the scroll of Isaiah, let him read from that, and then, oh, by the way, Jesus, would you say a few words? And that's what happens. Jesus takes the role of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he opens it up to what we would call Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 3a. And he reads it to the gathered community. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to, to, to the poor and release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and release to those who are oppressed because now is the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls the scroll back up and he sits back down. And those were messianic words that he's writing. In other words, these are words that everybody in his audience recognized as marks of when the one they had been waiting for for centuries and centuries would come. Someone who would actually bring good news to an impoverished people, to a people physically and spiritually blinded, to a people oppressed by the Romans, to people who were captives of their own lives and of the world around them that, that never seemed to work in their favor. This is what they had been longing for. And now Jesus is here and says, this is fulfilled finally in your hearing. And he sits down which is not insignificant because in in the Jewish world, the rabbi would sit to teach. And so by sitting down, he magnifies what he's just read, and everybody is literally standing there and, and twittering to each other, wow, that was awesome. We can't wait to hear what he says next. This is Joseph. He's one of us. What's he going to say next? Now, it's significant that Always in the Gospels, when Jesus is angered by something, they always take note of it. But no comment is made here at all of his his emotion, which suggests to me that he's not angry with the people of Nazareth. He's actually maybe just kind of -of matter-of-fact with them. Maybe he's actually kind of sad, I suspect. Because the first thing he says when he begins to speak is, in a sense, you're probably going to say to me, doctor, heal yourself. 
which I think is, is his way of saying at some level, I, I know what you want me to say, and I, I could just say nice things, and we'd all, we'd all be good. And, and he can't do it. He can't just say nice things because he's perceived that they have misunderstood the moment and what the significance of his presence is. And, and, the, and the huge thing that they have misunderstood is that, is that he is correctly saying to them that he brings good news for them. It's for you. And the, and the one thing that they, they have misunderstood is that they would add one word to that. They have apparently thought what he's saying to them, it's for you alone. I've just come to my own people to bring them good stuff and to heck with everybody else in this world. My power is for you alone. And it's not. His power is never for you or me alone. It's always for us. It's always for the common good. It's always for somebody who isn't already in the circle. And, and that's part of the Jewish tradition. Everybody there at some level knew that in their heads. But as you know, a lot of things in life have nothing to do with what's going on in your head. It's got everything to do with what's going on in here. And they are so perhaps expectant of, of something that will be good after stuff that's been so bad and who can blame them that they cannot hear what he's actually saying to him. And so he goes ahead and says it. And again, I don't think he says it angrily to them. He just says, hey, it's not for you alone. I mean, in our own tradition, when the spirit of the Lord was on Elijah, that spirit was given, it was actually given outside the country of Israel to a poor widow, the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And, and when the spirit of the Lord was on Elijah, he, he shared it with a leper, not from Israel, but with a hated uh, Syrian army commander named Naaman. It's not just for you. And as soon as he got done saying with that, they were furious. They were furious with him. What do you mean it's not just for us? What the heck did we bother raising you for and sending you out and now have you come back home and you say that to us? And they take him up to the edge of the hill and they would have thrown him off the cliff if they could. But Jesus passes through their midst, and he goes on his way. It's actually kind of a sad story. How many of you watched The Office or watched it when it was on? Ooh, that's the lowest proportion of... <laughs> How many of you liked The Office when, when it was on? Okay, so uh, my boys were home last weekend, and they were watching an episode of The Office. I've seen it on and off over the years, and I guess I just never saw the episodes that kind of like, actually like click in some way. So finally I sat down last week, and they're watching this episode, and finally I saw an episode where it was like, ah, yeah, I can see that they actually do some cool stuff with the show. So I think it was a typical scene in The Office, so Steve Carell's character pulls the team together, and they're having this team meeting to encourage this one woman on the staff, I don't know what her name is, uh, because she's like having a bad time, and he just wants everybody to affirm her. So everybody gathers, and then the cool thing that they do, of course, is that, that you can see everybody's internal dialogue as this is going on. So all these people start saying nice things about this woman, and her internal dialogue is like, wow, this is like really working for her. It really feels good. It's really powerful. 
But then the internal dialogue of everybody else in the room is like, so there's this one woman who's sitting there thinking, well, nobody ever says good stuff like that about me. And then another person sitting there thinking, wow, you know, like they're saying such great stuff about her. And like, she's probably going to take my job. I'm a goner. And then there's another woman who's sitting there saying, you know, I work twice as hard at, work, at home as I work in this job. And nobody there ever recognizes anything that I do. And, and so you suddenly have, you know, this whole show is about unintended consequences and outcomes. And, and so you have this moment where you're just trying to do a nice thing for one person. And what it actually does is trigger all of these resentments and insecurities in everybody else who's in the room. So I think that's part of what's happening in Nazareth. And it happens in our communities. It happens in our lives all the time. Um, not only do we come into situations with our expectations, but, but we, we just struggle so to stay focused in any one moment. Maybe what happened in that particular Jewish community is, is they were just forgetting the name of God, which is I am. God just does stuff, and God just does it in the present. Which is the only place any of us live, and yet most of the time it's not where we are, Right? I mean, most of the time we're in the past with our resentments and, and insecurities, or we're in the future. But we're not in the present, and that's a problem. So you might have a little found time this week. Maybe there'll be a, like a little snowstorm, or it'll be like, your car won't start, or at least you'll turn it over twice. It's not going to start. You just give up. I didn't really want to go into work today anyway. Um, with that found time, one of the things you could maybe work on a little bit is, is just how are you actually in conversations with people? Do, are you actually really there? Are you in the present? Or when you're with a conversation with somebody, are you in your own business? Um, are you in your collective past or future instead of the present? I'd actually suggest this if you're in a conversation this week. I think what happens a lot when you're in a conversation is, is you're, I do this, I do this a lot. I mean, you're, you're always like thinking of the next thing you, you want to say because everybody's afraid of like awkward silences in a conversation. But then you're not really in it because you really aren't listening when you're trying to figure out what you're going to say next. And, and actually, I, I think an awkward silence probably means you're really there. And, and that won't be immediately apparent, especially if it's somebody you don't know very well. But it's, it's actually a better place to be. Um, really listen to what somebody says this week. One of the things we do in small groups here, just as an illustration of that, is a lot of times we'll ask people, you know, what do you think of that or share something about this. Uh, and then right away, somebody usually raises their hand because they have an answer right away. But we don't let them answer, actually. We always say, everybody's got to think about the question for like a minute. Because if you, if you immediately have somebody start talking, then everybody's sitting there kind of listening but also thinking about what their answer is. If you give people time to think of what their answer is, then when people actually talk, you can actually listen to each other. So in my imagination, but I think in Luke's reality as he tells the story, you get to that very end. And it's, it's not like there's this miracle that happens. Jesus passes through their midst and he goes on his way. 
I think that's just Luke's way of saying that Jesus does not get sucked in to the, to the hostility and, and the negativity and the not being in the momentness of his own community. He doesn't return a tit for a tat, and, and he just goes on. He lets it go. He forgives it at some level. And also in my imagination, in, in the process of doing that, uh, it, it's kind of interesting to know that geographically there aren't any cliffs in the, in the Nazareth area. There are maybe like five-foot drops. So if they'd thrown him off the cliff, he probably would have just rolled once and kept going. Which gives me a little courage to say, you might as well be a cliff jumper with Jesus this week. Because in my imagination, as he passed through their midst and maybe jumped off the cliff, I can't help but think that he didn't hold hands with a couple of people who got exactly what he was saying, who were totally rooted in the moment, who appreciated the gift he was offering them, and so much wanted as a result not to hoard it to themselves, but to share it because they knew others who needed it more than they needed it themselves. And they jumped off the cliff with him, and they kept going. And that's how the good news spreads. So this week, on some beautiful day here in Wisconsin, slow down in some conversation you're in. Just be in it at the moment. And if the, if the moment's right, and somebody has good news that they are ready to spread, grab their hand, jump.